A thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard. It can move anywhere. Maybe. Concentrate on sin. Give priority to the detectors and the navigation systems. There is a corridor. And the corridor is time. It surrounds all things. On display, I eventually had to go down to the cellar. That's the display department. With a torch. The lights were probably gone. So had the stairs. You are just number six. I am not a number. I am a person. Welcome to British Invaders, episode 417. This is the podcast all about British science fiction television, and this time we are talking about Lost in Austin. This is Brian from Canada. And this is Eamon from England. Hello. Yes, we are talking about an ITV series from 2008, four episodes of about 45 minutes each, and it is, as the title suggests, to do with Jane Austen, and particularly to do with a young woman who is obsessed with Austen's Pride and Prejudice novel and who finds herself strangely transported or time-slipped back in time and into the events of the novel itself. Yes, and this gives us lots of romantic comedy type things, but in very much in Austen's style with lots of the book incorporated into it and uh, quite lavishly produced beautiful production to look at here yes and you're quite right we are in a certain amount of rom-com territory as well as the the genre elements yeah a little bit but in a very austin type way so the setup we start in modern day london with amanda price who struggles with her boring job at a bank and her flatmate her mother her boyfriend who is not quite what she's looking for apparently and has made a somewhat half-hearted proposal and her escape is her obsession with the works of Jane Austen so there's her humdrum life and then what she really loves which is the work of Jane Austen especially Pride and Prejudice which she keeps rereading apparently since she was 12 or something like that and she's now in her 20s so there she is in her London flat, somewhat displeased with her life, and one night she hears a noise in her bathroom and goes in there to find that the heroine of Pride and Prejudice, Miss Elizabeth Bennet herself, has appeared through some sort of door in the wall of her bathroom. And although she first dismisses this as just sort of a dream or hallucination, it's not long before she's actually journeying through that portal herself and is back in... 1813 and finds herself a guest in the household of the Bennett's family and finds herself trapped in her favourite novel but that the events are starting to unfold in perhaps a different or unexpected manner. She has an effect on the past and doesn't go quite as according to the book. Yes, that's right. And there are lots of things related to what she sees happening and what she knows is quote-unquote supposed to happen. And that's one of the elements you have in here. But getting into the characters, we have our lead character, Amanda Price, played by Jemima Roper, who is, as we said, obsessed with Jane Austen. She is the lead lead character in this 
and she is a new character. She doesn't come from Austin's work. She's the new character who has her modern sensibilities and is the uh, representation of the audience in this world of Jane Austen and the world of polite society of 1813. But of course, from the novel itself, we have Elizabeth Bennet, possibly one of the most famous characters in English literature, here played by Gemma Arterton, another canonical Bond girl for us, Brian, because she obviously appeared in Quantum of Solace. She's also been in The King's Man and several other film and television programmes. And she, as Elizabeth Bennet, stays in 2008 London. And as we'll find out later on in this series, seems to do remarkably well there, it would seem, Brian. Yes, that's right. And having Gemma Arterton in this, then not one of the biggest roles, because Jemima Roper as Amanda Price really takes on the major role. But having Gemma Arterton sort of before she became something of a movie star is quite neat. And she is very good in this, for sure. Mr. Bennett, played by Hugh Bonneville from Downton Abbey and Paddington and others, is the father of the household and a chance for Bonneville to have some sort of charm and quiet calm in that character and being the stability of the Austin characters in this. And for Mr. Bennett, we must have Mrs. Bennett, here played by Alex Kingston, River Song herself, no less, who starts out as the sort of familiar, hysterical, if I can use that word, character that we know from the book, but in possibly one of the most interesting performances and developments in this series, she sort of adapts to what's happening with Amanda Price's presence and becomes a stronger and more interesting character as the series goes on. So I found that fascinating. We'll talk more about that next time. Yes, there definitely is a theme of taking Austen's characters and revealing something more about them in this particular version of them. Mr. Darcy, played by Elliot Cowan, is the proud leading man from the book, The Romantic Interest. And in this case, without Miss Bennet there, some of that romance may be moving to Amanda. And we have, uh, I think, fairly traditional portrayal of Mr. Darcy, but with lots of things around him changing, especially because Amanda Price is there. So you have a modern woman interacting with Darcy. Fantastic stuff. We should also mention we've got a full cast of interesting characters and some great actors in these sort of supporting roles. Morven Christie, Lindsay Duncan, Gugo Mbatha Raw, Perdita Weeks, we all spotted. So yeah, there's a, it's a great, as ever, a great cast, ensemble piece with some of these big names in the leading roles. Yes, we sort of have a cast full of these Jane Austen characters, but also a number of modern-day London characters there as well. So moving backwards in time, we have to wonder a little bit, how does Amanda find herself back in 1813? The device used, as I say, is just this mysterious door in her bathroom wall that looks like it's some sort of service hatch or something like that but when she steps through it she finds herself in the corridor of the Bennett's house is she dreaming or is she time slipping again we're going to come back to that more in, later on in detail but that's how she seems to get there yes absolutely and 
the reason we're talking about it as a time slip, even though it's going into a fictional world, is it has some of those traditions to it, that it appears mysteriously, and it's only open some of the time, and possibly only open to some people, and often someone goes through and has to complete some things or go through some of the story before they can return the same way. And in this case, Elizabeth Bennet goes from the fictional 1813 to modern day London. So the two have sort of switched places and Bennet has shut the door and sent a letter saying she plans to stay where she is for a while. So we get this situation where you have Amanda Price sort of taking Elizabeth Bennett's place in Pride and Prejudice. And the past accommodates Amanda quite well. The Bennetts seem initially quite happy with the idea that this is one of Elizabeth Bennett's friends, young Miss Amanda Price, and Elizabeth herself has gone off to Hammersmith to visit this strange place of Hammersmith. And at first, it all seems to be going quite smoothly. Amanda's now part of sort of like society back in 1813 when the novel was released. But her presence has upset the sequence of events that we sort of expect from Pride and Prejudice. And Amanda's presence is causing sort of untoward and unexpected events. And she's trying to get things back on track. And we'll talk a little bit again later about whether or not she succeeds in that and how successful she is. But yeah, things are going slightly awry back in the past. Yes, and that's sort of one of the themes of this is what happens when you throw something off by putting a a modern character in there. So getting into our production notes, we should start with Jane Austen, 1775 to 1817, who had six notable novels, really, with Pride and Prejudice from 1813, often being called the UK's favorite novel of all time. So this is definitely a big deal, not an author we usually talk about on British Invaders, but one of the most significant British novels. And Pride and Prejudice, of course, has been adapted for screen many times. Going back to a notable one with Laurence Olivier playing Mr. Darcy back in 1940. Indeed, yes, a famous version on uh, the big screen. But on the small screen here in modern times, probably the novel best known adaptation is Andrew Davis's BBC version from 1995 with Jennifer Ely as Elizabeth and of course the smouldering and I would say career defining performance from Colin Firth as Mr Darcy and if you've seen that BBC version from 95 you'll remember the scene where on a very hot day having ridden towards his home Mr Darcy takes a dip in a lake and emerges dripping wet in front of Elizabeth Bennet in a scene that's become iconic. And we will see a version of that in this series as well. Yes, that production as a whole, I think, became iconic as an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. But certainly Colin Firth as Mr. Darcy and that particular scene. Yeah, some iconic stuff there too, for sure. And we're not going to go into too much detail about other versions of Pride and Prejudice on screen because, quite frankly, we could do a whole two episodes just about Pride and Prejudice, but we're going to try and focus back 
on this particular series. Yes, yeah, so the writer Guy Andrews, best known for some high-profile detective shows like Prime Suspect, Poirot, May Gray, and Rosemary in Time. He was noticing this sort of rejuvenation of science fiction and related things on British TV with Doctor Who in 2005 and Life on Mars in 2006. Primeval was around then. There really were a lot of things coming back into vogue at that point that were taking different takes on these sorts of things. And he wondered what would happen if a fan fell through some sort of portal into Jane Austen's work. And we know from an interview that we, I've read with Guy Andrews that he really enjoyed sort of taking Pride and Prejudice, this idea of the fan falling into the novel and then mangling the events of the novel. And he really sort of worked that up into a pitch that he was very excited about. And it was picked up by the production company Mammoth Screen, who produced this series Directed for the screen by Dan Zeff. And as ever, we seek out Doctor Who connections. Dan Zeff directed the Love and Monsters episode from 2006. And for the production itself, obviously, if you're doing Pride and Prejudice, you need a variety of stately homes. They chose locations in West Yorkshire. They could use bits of the countryside for the very sort of rural scenes you'd expect. And in West Yorkshire, of course, they could use Leeds as a sort of stand-in for modern-day London. So the scenes that look like they're in London, it's actually Leeds, apparently. Yes, and they sort of did this thing of mangling Pride and Prejudice, but also sort of adapting it at the same time to give a different spin on things. The music was composed by Christian Hansen, who did the nice sort of knowing tribute to the Carl Davis theme from the 1995 production we mentioned. So you had all of that fitting in there. Lost in Austin was broadcast on ITV weekly in four parts, starting on September 3rd, 2008. And was very well reviewed, seems to be very well remembered, strangely struggled slightly in the race battle with the BBC because it was up against the extremely popular sort of genealogy show Who Do You Think You Are which takes famous people and traces their family history so perhaps you know struggled in the ratings we know it was broadcast in the USA on Ovation the following year 2009 although interestingly we read that they had to take out a couple of bits of music Amanda's modern day cell phone ringtone was the, the, the Carl Davis theme from the BBC series and also she does an after-dinner performance when she sings her own rendition of Petula Clark's Downtown and for copyright reasons I guess they had to take out both those pieces of music. That's too bad to lose that scene with her singing because it was quite amusing and ridiculous. It was and of course as I say well remembered because it was voted into a list of the top 50 British TV shows from the noughties so it got a reputation and, you know, has done well since, I presume, in terms of sales, but just at the time had a bit of a ratings battle which the BBC, which it may have lost. Yeah, that's right. And in fact, in 2009, The Guardian reported that it had been optioned to be adapted as a movie by Nora Ephron with Sam Mendes directing. And apparently Ephron was still working on that when she passed away in 2012. 
this doesn't seem to be going anywhere at this point. It was probably lost somewhere along the way, as often happens when things are optioned. They don't always go anywhere. Shame, actually, because obviously a Nora Ephron version of this on the big screen would have been quite a delight, I would imagine. Could have been interesting, yes. So let's do availability and let's find out how you can watch this series if we've piqued your interest. Region 2, as ever, nice and straightforward. There was an almost immediate 2008 DVD release from the ITV, including a making of documentary on there, which I haven't seen. That is about £8 on DVD. There's a £20 Blu-ray version. But, of course, it's also streaming on BritBox over here in the UK, which is how I watched it, because I have a BritBox subscription at the moment. Or you can buy it digitally for about £7 from Apple or Amazon. So lots of easy ways to get to it. It's even available on the DVD rental site here, Cinema Paradiso. So, as I say, DVD, Blu-ray, streaming, easy to watch here in the UK. In Region 1, not quite so easy. There was a DVD release, which is out of print. So I see new copies on Amazon running for $33 US and $60 Canadian. You well may be able to find better deals for used copies. It is available on Amazon Prime in the US. I was not able to tell if that was part of the Prime subscription or part of BritBox or if it was for purchase on Amazon streaming. It is becoming harder to tell when you're based in Canada what's available in the US on Amazon. But there is some availability that way. Okay. Nice to, at least it's almost available. <laughs> yeah. um, obviously, the book, Pride and Prejudice... You know, the UK's favourite novel, widely available. And for a change, I have read it because it's almost compulsory to read Pride and Prejudice over here in the UK, Brian. Yes, and that's, of course, public domain. So you can find free downloads of it and, yeah, lots of publication and what have you. So very easy to get hold of that one, for sure. So that will do us for the first part of our discussion of Lost in Austin. Next time, we're going to discuss some of the unintended consequences that Amanda's presence has on the events of the novel and some interesting character developments that we've hinted at. We will also talk about the idea of characters interacting with a different fictional setting and we'll talk about how much this show is actually trying to do it's trying to do a number of things and we'll get into how that works out all this plus our own review and recommendations of this series all that to come next time absolutely until then you can find all of our episodes on britishinvaders.com or if you search for British Invaders on Facebook, you can find our group there and join in on the conversation. Or you can find us on Twitter, where we are at Brit Invaders Pod. So yeah, please join us on the socials to talk about some of this. Please do come by one of those links and let us know what you think. And check us out at the Voice of Geeks Network, which you will find at vognetwork.com. That's the Voice of Geeks for lots of gaming, podcasts, Twitch streaming and so on. Lots of content always available at the Voice of Geeks. Absolutely. So thank you for listening. And this is Brian from Canada signing off. Yes, thank you very much. Until next time, Eamon in England also signing off. <laughs>